Welcome to the Inner Glow Getter podcast, the podcast for you, the woman who is pushing the boundaries, expanding your consciousness, and doesn't take no for an answer. This podcast will help you reduce the overwhelm, tune back into you, take back control of your health, embrace your most authentic self, and show up as your most confident, aligned, and powerful you. We do the inner work together through the safe space for you to come learn, grow, and gain knowledge in areas of your life such as body confidence, hormones, feminine flow, money, well-being, spirituality, fitness, and mindset, and so much more. Let's get started. Welcome to the podcast, Sarah. I'm so pleased to have you on. Um, And I know, no worries. And um, I know we've got lots to talk about. I'm very excited about, yeah, what we're going to talk about today. So um, just the first question, um, tell me about you and um, in your own words, what do you do? How do you help your clients? Amazing. So yeah, thanks so much for having me on the podcast today. Um, So yeah, I'm Sarah. I'm a holistic healing mentor. And what that basically means is that I'm a little bit different from a more mainstream therapist. So I combine hypnotherapy, meditation, breath work, um, as well as just regular conversation into my sessions. So they aren't like a one size fits all approach. Uh, I love working with women who are currently feeling maybe a little bit lost, a little bit stuck. Maybe they've tried other therapies and it's not it's not quite got to the root cause of their situation or their feelings. I love to empower women to reclaim their confidence and feel worthy of living their most abundant life. I love that. I love that. <laughs> and I can't wait to dive into everything you've just mentioned there. Mm. Um, so just to give a bit of background, like what has been your journey um, with wellness and how you've sort of come to doing what you do today? So I was actually um, a manager in dentistry before this for a decade. So my background is a little bit different. Um, So yes, I worked in a dental lab. So it's quite medical, quite science based, I guess. Um, And I decided that that wasn't fulfilling me. And I went on a little quest, that typical searching for myself. Um, I'd had... (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, I'd had... I'd had periods of my life where I'd tried the mainstream therapy for like my anxiety. I'd been through a divorce, so relationship stuff as well, and just my own healing. And it never quite like sat right for me personally. It was like they'd find a solution for all the symptoms that I was going to them, but the cause of, of these symptoms was still just like there in my mind. So I just had to keep going back and getting more therapy. And that's when I found hypnotherapy and a very similar time meditation. They kind of went like hand in hand and they both started me on this journey that helped me to not only like calm my overthinking. I'm someone that loves to overthink every situation, Um, Mm, but it also helped me. Yeah, I know. It's so easy to do, isn't it? And it just it also helped me to really clarify things that I would felt a bit lost about previously. 
And it seems that that now I'm on this journey, I love to invest in more learning and expanding my skills. And I'm actually, I'm currently doing a breathwork course. Um, and I, you know, I only experienced it a couple of times before I decided to join the course, actually. But honestly, it's been the most like profound healing and eye-opening experience for me. And I think it's really important as a coach or a, a mentor to actually have the therapy yourself and fairly like immerse yourself in it so you can understand you know how the client mm. you know goes on the journey with you and I like to think that we're all these tiny little onions that have layers and layers <laughs> of fears and things that need to be healed and I think that for me as a healing mentor I think that like acknowledging that I still have things that I'm working through and I'm healing is can only be a good thing for my clients and I'm sure they resonate more because I'm not this like perfect person with all of my my shit together all of the time <laughs> totally totally more um uh, relatable in that yeah, yeah yeah I hope so yeah um and I love what you say on your website about you know you love deep challenging work to get mm. real results that and um the analogy about the onion as well (laughs) Um, and uh, could you dive into a bit more about hypnotherapy what I love about this podcast is I'm learning so much about all these different areas but like I don't know in in mainstream media hypnotherapy Mm. has like a certain reputation but what what really is it and um how does how like could you describe a bit about how that works yeah, so I think that, like you say, from mainstream, I think most of us have this preconception that hypnotherapy is, you know, you're maybe in a pub or you're in like a theatre setting and someone's on stage and they're waving something about and, you know, someone's doing something that makes them a little bit stupid or, you know, I think that we all have that idea about it. But and and it can be that, you know, stage therapy does, ha- hypnotherapy does happen. But actually, in in the most part, it's, you know, when I work with clients, they're either let down or they're just on a, on a sofa, maybe. And you're just in a deep state of relaxation. So you go into what's called theta brainwaves. And they're the brainwaves that happen just before you fall asleep. So it's that that trance-like state that you go into all the time when you're daydreaming is exactly the same. Maybe you've, um, I don't know if you drive, you know, if, if you're in the car and you're going to work and you kind of think, oh, I don't really remember that part of my journey. That, yes. That's exactly the same as hypnotherapy. You go into the same trance-like state. So, well, you know, when you're in this state, it means that I can access your subconscious mind and your subconscious is where you are holding all of your limiting beliefs, anything that maybe you need to shift, you know, maybe you need to improve your confidence, or you have this preconception about yourself, but actually, it's not really the essence of who you are. And you maybe want to remedy that. So and I, and I will, I would like to just clarify as well, because I think um, stage hypnotherapy maybe makes people have the wrong idea. I can't make you do anything that you don't wish to do. You know, I don't have sort of like a voodoo doll power (laughs) over you. Your subconscious mind is there to keep you safe. It's what keeps you from walking over the edge of a cliff or doing something that you perceive as being unsafe. So at the same time, 
if you don't want to share information with me, your subconscious will go, no, I don't want to share that. I'm keeping that to myself. However, if your subconscious does want to share it, because it's like, you know what, I'm ready to heal, I'm ready to release, I'm ready to let go, then, you know, it will, it will be happy to, um, to tell me anything that, that is being hidden away there. That's so interesting to know, like your, your mind is still kind of looking out for you, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's super interesting. You see a lot of people that, um, for example, like if you want to stop smoking, you know, someone could come to you and be like, I want to stop smoking. But actually in hypnotherapy, the subconscious is like, you know what, I don't want to stop smoking because actually it gives me like social connection or it actually helps me with my stress. So I'm not actually ready to give up smoking yet. So then in that instance, you have to say to the, the client, you know what, you're you're not quite ready yet. And then maybe come back, you know, when you've taken a few more steps and you are ready to let go of the socializing or the stress or, you know, with other methods. Yeah, exactly. Replace it with with other methods. Yeah. yeah. I think I saw that yesterday. I can't remember where I saw this, but it said like it takes 12, 13 times to quit smoking, which is like you've got to be really persistent if it's uh yeah I think well I don't know obviously what um what therapy with that was but with hypnotherapy you know you can do it so much faster but again the subconscious mind needs to be on board already to do it and then and then if it does it's it's a couple of sessions it can be really fast but it's only when you truly are ready to give it up Mm -hmm. or to make these changes and I think that's the thing that sometimes people they think they're ready but actually they're not quite there yet. And I guess that would follow up with like kind of a meditation or journaling or those kind of practices, which would. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if, if it was something, say, let's just stick on to the smoking that you weren't quite ready, I think, I mean, I love journaling. It's such a great practice and, and meditating as well. You know, if you just, if you can understand what it is that you're getting out of something you know like if if you were smoking say and you didn't want to give up what you know just think to yourself what am I getting out of of this this habit am I getting a social connection or is it actually helping me with my stress so okay well if it's helping with my stress what other practices can I be implementing to actually help me with my stress you know is it is it um, breathing techniques? Is it meditation? Is it something that I can do so that when I have those stressful situations, I can go to those practices first so that I don't just reach for the cigarette straight away, that, you know, I have other things that I can reach for. Mm, that's so powerful. I um, It's funny, isn't it? Like with meditation and journaling, like once you start it, you realize how powerful mm. it is. And I've literally, like, I sound like I'm pretending to be an expert, but I'm certainly not. And I'm like, I only started journaling, I swear, like three weeks ago. And I was always like really turned off by it because mm. like, I don't know if I'm going to get much out of this, but it yeah. helps you like sort through your thoughts. Um, I'm mm. sure you know much more about it, though. Would you mm. like to break yeah you know what for me as well I, I started it probably about a year ago now and I was one of those teenage girls that always bought a new diary every year and never wrote in it so I was yeah. quite uh, <laughs> I didn't know if journaling was going to be for me um, and I think um, just being open to it and knowing that there's there's no right or wrong way to do it just 
you know, free write, as they say, you know, don't worry about spelling or, or grammar, just getting your ideas or your thoughts onto paper. And as I said, like, I'm someone who loves to overthink every situation. So for me, getting my thoughts out onto paper is so, um, you know, I can understand them better. When I actually look at what I've written on the page, I'm like, huh, didn't realize I thought that. Wow. Okay. So I actually think about this, about that situation. Okay. Didn't realize that. Let's, let's, you know, look into that a little bit deeper. That's so interesting. Yeah. I, when I started, I was like putting like bullet points because I like studied science in high school. So bullet <laughs> yeah. points were more natural to me. <laughs> and then I was I slowly got more into like paragraph form and I was like, ah, oh, and then it gets a bit more free flowing. And like you say, yeah. like don't worry about spelling mistakes, just mm. get it out on the paper. Um, yeah, exactly. And I think like I share a lot of journal prompts with my clients. They all get like workbooks with prompts in there because I think as well, if you're new to the tech, to the practice that you can sort of, you can find yourself looking at a piece of paper and thinking, well, what do I want to write about? You don't want to be like, dear diary, today I had some lunch, you know? So <laughs> I think having the journal prompts actually helps people to, you know, they're, they're always specific to what the client's going through. And I think it just helps them to dive a little bit further into maybe what they think about the situation that they didn't realize that they felt. Mm, definitely, definitely. I love the journal prompts that you share on your Instagram. Mm, yeah, they're so powerful. And, you know, and, and I do them myself as well. And I think that's why I love to share them because, you know, sometimes you are you are stuck a little bit for what to write. And I think they just prompt you maybe to think about things that you wouldn't have necessarily thought about. Mm, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And um, would you be able to, if you feel comfortable enough, elaborate on like your experience with like overthinking and anxiety? Yeah, of course. So, um, so as I mentioned earlier, I was um, a manager in a dental lab and this was um, a family business. And I think, you know, I'd, I'd joined the company and worked my way up slowly, but I think even so I felt this need to like, prove to people that I deserved the position um you know I used to take a lot of work stress home with me and I think because of all those reasons combined I was constantly like thinking what people thought of me thinking about clients thinking how it would impact the family because obviously with it being a family business you know it's not mm. just a company paying your wage it's like your family's livelihood and I think that, you know, all these, I mean, there were pressures that I put onto myself because I wanted to, to do really well. But I think it just meant that I was in this cycle of, you know, overthinking, I wasn't sleeping, I wasn't taking care of my body very well. And that was when I was going to like different types of talking therapy. And I think it's just, I think having that, um, that past experience myself really helps me to understand maybe where my clients are coming from when they come to me because you know I still do overthink certain situations now I've gotten a lot better with it and I think it's just having someone there with the experience to tell you that you know it's okay you can switch off sometimes it's really good to unwind and self-care as much as people think it's having a bath which is great don't get me wrong but you know self-care is so important and I think it's so underrated when it comes to things like mental health 
Um, so yeah, I think people can just maybe resonate with my story. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And like the the strong boundaries that we start yeah. to put in place as well. I have a similar experience of, yes, like bringing work home, thinking about it on the weekend, working on the weekend when like there was a very blurred line between work and personal. And yeah, it, I mean, you, you start to, well, you, I guess you start it because you're like, yeah, like, you know, I will be promoted more if I do this and mm-hmm. or maybe I'm seen as more dedicated, but in yeah. actual fact, like often when you it's more respected when you set those strong boundaries in place like right no I'm checking out now <laughs> like <laughs> yeah absolutely and I think especially with lockdown I know so many people that you know obviously have been working from home and those boundaries have got blurred like you say you know they're I know so many people that are still on their laptop you know three hours after they're supposed to finish work because you know they think they have to do that little bit more because for some reason, you know, obviously they haven't had other things that they could go out and usually do like their social aspects. So they're like, oh, well, I might as well work. But, you know, it's it's really good for both you and the other person if you can set those strong boundaries and you can set them from a really loving place. Mm. I think it's really important to like, you know, you need to embody them yourself. It's 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 good for you and your self-trust you know, you need to be able to to trust yourself and being able to trust yourself to say, no, it's good for me to switch off. It's good for me to not look in my DMs constantly or reply to my friend on, on WhatsApp. You know, I need to set this strong boundary because I'm looking after myself. I'm looking after my needs right now. Yeah, definitely. And when you see the, the rewards of it, then it just like um, yeah, pushes absolutely. you further to do it, doesn't it? Mm, yeah. 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 Um, that was so helpful. Thank you. <laughs> um, I noticed on your Instagram, you talk a lot about the inner child work. Would you yes. elaborate on that? Yeah. So I'm really interested in so the inner child, generational trauma, um, all those kinds of things. So the inner child work really comes up a lot with um, breath work. So the um, the course I'm taking at the moment is called Rebirthing Breathwork. And we look a lot at the inner child there. We look a lot about the um, your birth, your actual birth, how it happened, how you were handled. Um, and it's, and yes, sorry. So yes, yeah, so we look a lot of, um, at the inner child work and rebirthing. We look a lot about your conception and, and your birth story. And, you know, inner child work, a lot of your your stories that you have about yourself and um, maybe your limiting beliefs that you had about you have about yourself, maybe like people don't like me or I'm not worthy of attention. All of these limiting core beliefs that you had you have in yourself all stem from your early childhood. So you don't actually um, have your conscious, your logical mind until you're about seven years old. So all of your experiences before you're seven are in your non-logical mind. So things that people say to you, your experiences that you have, although adults might think that they're being loving and they probably are coming from a really loving place, they can still have a traumatic effect on you as a child. So, you know, when you've got a baby and they've they've perhaps got a smelly nappy, being all like, oh, you've got a smelly bum. Mm-hmm. And it's even, you know, I'm sure everybody's done it that's, that's a parent. 
and it seems really lighthearted and you know you're maybe just making a joke of it but actually these can imprint on someone to to my body isn't acceptable and I should be ashamed of my body and you know I don't say these things to worry parents about every single thing that they're saying because I think that even when you have the most amazing childhood there will still be some need that hasn't been met or hasn't been satisfied and I think understanding that um, there's still things from your childhood that you need to heal and that core belief that you have about yourself isn't true and it was formed at at an age where you didn't understand what was going on I think can be so so powerful for people. That's so fascinating. I didn't actually realize because I heard of inner child work, but I didn't realize it meant like zero to seven. Yeah, and it's it's quite old, really. If you think about everything, you know, we're going to school by that age. You know, there's there's so many things that happen in our lives by the time we're about that seven years old. You know, it's crazy to think about how many experiences have probably impacted us, and you know, by by that age. Yeah, definitely. And I, I'm imagining like the listeners listening to this today would um, like if they wanted to look into their inner child work and mm. it, it would be to work with a professional like you. But um, could you explain a little bit about like how you begin to identify those limiting beliefs? Because does it trace back to like a particular event or can it be a series of events? Yeah, so I think I think a lot of this work when you really want to unravel it, it is done best with a professional but you can mm. certainly start to do that work on yourself so you can normally it's it's that little onion again and it's peeling back <laughs> to the layers so you might think I don't know let's say I'm not pretty enough you know I'm not I'm not as pretty as the other girls that I know well then it's it's unraveling that back a layer so what is it am I not accepted for who I am and then the layer under that might be I'm not wanted and then the layer under that might be, I'm not loved. And so you've gone from, you know, I'm not pretty. But when you actually sit with that and think, what actually is it? What's the worst thing that someone could think about if you're not pretty? What does that mean about that person? And it's just peeling back those layers and understanding that core belief that you don't want anyone to hear about. Because if you said it out loud, then people would think less about you. And it's it's knowing that that belief started, it could have started from a really simple, like I said, someone someone maybe said a, a blasé remark to you when you were a, like a child. It didn't mean anything at the time, but you at the time were shocked by it. So usually these core beliefs happen when you're in a really like emotional state. So say you were really excited or really happy or you were really sad and then someone said something about you or a firm belief that you had when you're in this really emotional state and that's when it imprints on you and that's when the story will start and it will it will have an effect on every part of your life because if you think well I'm not pretty enough well maybe you won't speak to a partner I'm not pretty enough so maybe I'm not good enough for that job for that position that's in in the public eye and it can affect so many different parts of your life and influence your decision making, I imagine. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Wow. And like, I imagine you've done this work on yourself or with a professional <laughs> yeah. and, and um, how, like, could you describe the feeling of when you identify it and when you're able to free from it? Is Yeah. So it's, 
I, I guess as well, I mean, it's a very personal journey when you go on this and you, you do need to be with someone yes. that, you know, you completely trust. It's obviously holding a really supportive space for you because I think, in my opinion, like there's nothing more vulnerable than you getting to your core belief that you don't want anyone else to know about. And you don't you don't actually know, want to know about yourself. You know, that's why you're thinking just I'm not pretty, which, yes, it, it's not a very nice thing to think about. But actually, your subconscious doesn't want you to know that deep, almost dirty secret about yourself. So it, it's it's made up this other idea of what that belief actually is. And it's it's a very um, challenging journey to go on at some points because, you know, you're peeling back these things and then you, you realize that actually you think, oh, nobody loves me. Like that's that's obviously can be quite traumatic for you and quite challenging for you to think but actually once you you get to that stage and and I think this is where journaling and and meditation comes into it and when you you sit with these feelings and you understand that they aren't the truth you know Mm. one actually thinks these these are a belief that was created and it really it's not the truth and I think it's so empowering to understand that it's not reality that it's just a story that's being created to keep you safe. That's all your subconscious is trying to do. It's trying to keep you safe because it doesn't want to be hurt again. And I think understanding that is just, like I said, it's just, it's so empower, empowering. And it it makes you realize all the decisions that you were saying, you know, all the decisions that you've made or you've not made because of it. And it's it's very freeing. That is so fascinating. My mind is blown. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, it's amazing. I'd love to ask you a bit more about like, um, so this is kind of your approach to, I think what's considered like in the spiritual world, like shadow work, right? Mm, Yeah. Yeah. And um, so would you be able to describe a little bit about like the difference between your approach and potentially others' approach? Or not saying one is more right than the other, but... Mm. um, would you be able to speak a bit about that? Yeah, sure. So I think, first of all, to say that I feel like shadow work, because of the name, it almost has this, like, this dark connotation, this this scary, you know, thing in the shadows. So, yeah, it's a yeah. bit you're like, oh, what's going on there? Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do that. That yeah, sounds horrendous. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know, when everyone gets back to that safety aspect of, oh, don't want to go down that road. But, you know, there can only be what people say light and there can only be healing if you are ready to do the shadow work so the shadow work for me in in my mind and with my work I think is going to the places that you need to go to to heal the things that you want to heal so you maybe come to me because you want confidence boost you want to be able to you know, do public speaking, but it's not without doing the shadow work on yourself and understanding where this lack of confidence and belief in yourself, it's, you know, without doing that, I don't think that you can truly feel confident in yourself. And I'm, I'm definitely on the side of don't fake it until you make it. If you're faking it until you're making it, then actually, once you get there, you're going to be like, oh shit I've I've been faking it till now people are going to find me out I'm you know I'm not good enough to be here and then you're going to be like I shouldn't be here I'm not going to do this I'm not confident 
Whereas actually, if you you do really small steps to push your confidence, then you're actually going to, it's only with experience that you can build your confidence. So I think that you can then do the small steps so that you do have that like amazing, empowering self-confidence to go out there and do public speaking. And I think that that's why the shadow work is so important to me because I think that that's really where the true healing is and I think it's only uncovering things that are that kept in the shadows that are kept in your subconscious that you it's only by healing those that you can truly set them free and bring them to your conscious mind and understand why you have these feelings um so that for me is why the shadow work is so important and it's really not as scary it it can be challenging maybe at times but you know all the best things that you get in life are challenging it's challenging to put yourself out there and be vulnerable it's challenging to I don't know train for a marathon but how amazing do you feel when you get to the end of it how empowered do you feel when you think yeah I've stuck to it I've committed to this work and look at me now yeah that's so true yeah and like marathon training you do a little bit every day and exactly makes commitment and yeah yeah and um I imagine like uh, once you uncover that and then you have a new belief in place like it it almost just becomes like second nature and you forget that you ever had that mm-hmm. belief before so it's kind of um yeah Yeah, absolutely yeah I think it's it's so powerful when you can create a new belief for yourself and I think it's only when you you realize that that belief was only um created you know it's not it's not reality it was a created story and I think that that just means that you can create a new story you can create a new belief and you can make whatever reality you want a reality you can you can bring it into your into your life Mm, yeah and it's so true like you say about like the alternative is to like fake it till you make it but Mm. it's a little bit like pushing a boulder up a hill and (laughs) you kind of like I know with public speaking it was always a challenge for me in the past and like um you when you read like a lot of the books are just about kind of like just do it, you know, put yeah. yourself out of your comfort zone. <laughs> um, don't like scan around the crowd. Um, you know, make sure you don't shift too much. Um, yeah. Keep your game at a certain level and it's all this stuff <laughs> that just makes you a bit more stressed in the moment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I'm sure instead of focusing on enjoying the experience and actually getting across the point that you want to make, you're thinking, stop moving, stop looking at people. Oh, so, you know, like you were saying, you know, faking it is just going to make you, you know, you're still going to be, I mean, I'm not saying that you're not going to be nervous when, you know, when you do your public speaking, but you can turn that nerves into excitement. Whereas if you're just faking it, you know, you're, you're still going to be nervous and you're you're probably not going to even enjoy the, the experience and you should be here to enjoy the experiences that you have. Mm, comes back to being present though. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so enlightening. Thank you. Um, and I saw in your Instagram, you talk about having a night routine. Now, <laughs> yes. I have an extensive morning routine, but I have <laughs> zero night routine. So right. I wanted to ask you about the benefits of that. Yeah. So I think, well, I mean, as you know, a morning routine is great. It sets you up for the day. Um, it can incorporate so many different things. And at the same way, but I guess in reverse, 
a, a night routine can give the signals to your brain that it's time to relax, it's time to unwind, it's time to let go of the day and, you know, it's get yourself ready for sleep. So I like to do my night routine actually as I'm going to bed. So it's not mm. a think that I do at like five o'clock once I finish work. I do have a routine when I step away from my laptop. But for me, my my routine is an hour before bed. I'll always have my herbal tea. Now, I'm not someone who, who again, had this, you know, a year or so ago, but I'm, I'm in love with herbal teas these days. Yeah. So, you know, I have my herbal tea. And, and I think it's that that hour before bed that it gives that cue to my brain that's like, oh, Sarah's having her herbal tea now, right? That must mean it's an hour before bed. Okay, so what do we do next? And next I either, I do a bit of journaling or I do a bit of meditating or it could be at the moment, I actually have a, a thousand piece jigsaw puzzle <laughs> that my boyfriend oh bought my me in lockdown. So I do a bit of a jigsaw. And it's things that if you can step away from the screen, and I know it's super hard, especially if you're someone that works on like Instagram or you have a business, I know it's super hard to step away from your screen, but just having a little bit of time away from it especially with all the blue lights and that sort of thing going on as well. Yes. But just just stepping away so that your brain knows, right, okay, we've finished on our on our phone for the day. That's my next cue. I know that she's going to be going to bed in 30 minutes. And it just allows, you know, maybe the tension to, to release from your shoulders. It allows your brain to go, oh, we're going to switch off from the daytime now. It's time to relax. It's time to start integrating everything that's that's happened in the day. It's time to unwind, it's time to get ready and time to get a little bit sleepy. And you know what, it's implementing these routines as well that, you know, committing to having it also helps. And I'm going to be speaking tomorrow about this. It helps with motivation because by committing to these routines, you're building the trust with yourself that you can accomplish things, even if it's something really small, like having my herbal tea. I know that every day I'm committed to doing that. So then it makes me know and trust myself that when I set another goal, that actually, oh, well, actually, we always meet our goal every day of, of drinking our herbal tea and doing our note routine. So actually, I trust myself to achieve this goal as well, which sounds really easy or really simple. And it is and it can be. And it's just building that trust within yourself that you're committed to doing all of this self-care. I love that. And then, I mean, you can just build it up from that point as well. Absolutely. Yeah. More challenging and, <laughs> and things and achieve them as well. So. Yeah, absolutely. And like your experience, I know we've talked about um, journaling, journal prompts and inner child work and, mm-hmm. um, and we haven't touched too much on meditation. I'd love to talk <laughs> about meditation because <laughs> again, it's like another one of those kind of phrases that's, like it's so commonly talked about, yeah. and, but there is still a little bit of a resistance in some mm-hmm. people, isn't there? Because like, um, like I went to a friend's for dinner last night, and she was saying that there was a study done, and apparently, um, people would prefer to be in a room where they were getting like an electric shock <laughs> than sitting in a room with their own thoughts. Oh wow! And, I think I might have been in that party like until I started meditation yeah (laughs) um and like my journaling I literally started meditation at the start of this year thank god just before lockdown but um uh 
Yeah. I mean, like if someone has a little bit of resistance to meditation mm. and they're listening to this today, like um, what could you share about meditation that might like encourage them to have a think about it? <laughs> yeah. So I think like you were saying about the whole, you'd rather not sit with your thoughts. I think yeah. as well, like there's this preconception um, you still see it on things like Instagram it's that perfect person that sat in that perfect setting and it looks all serene and tranquil and mm. they're, they're like oh I've just had the most like amazing two-hour meditation and you think wow two hours that's a really long time but I think the thing to remember as well that I think a lot of people don't realize that there are so many different types of meditation so I think that the the one that everyone sees is that person that sat cross-legged and they're being really quiet. Maybe they've got a bit of music on and they're just sat with their thoughts or not with their thoughts. And and that's what they they think meditation is. And yes, it can be that, but there's so many different types of meditation. So you can um, even just sticking on a piece of music, like your favorite song and just dancing, that can be meditation. It can be mindful walking. There are so many different types because meditation is just about, it's about finding space between your thoughts. So, I mean, no one, I mean, unless they've obviously done it for years and years, no one can sit there for two hours and not have any thoughts. And it's not about punishing yourself because you're thinking of your to-do list and you're thinking about that email that you forgot to send. And I think it's, it's about normalizing meditation and, and making it so that, you know, it can be something really easy to do. And it just, it's whatever really suits you. As I said, stick on a piece of music. I've actually got some meditations on my website that you can download for free. And I think I really love Amazing. to do them for beginners because I think it's the beginners that, that need that extra bit of support to say, you know what, it's okay if you can't sit for an hour, three mm. minutes, it's fine yes yeah you can just build it up exactly and you know you might be doing three weeks uh, sorry three minutes for a few weeks and then you think actually you know what I think I could I think I could go a bit longer and do it for five minutes and you know even if it's you're putting on two pieces of music or instead of going for a five minute walk you're going for a half an hour walk in in nature it's it's just about finding what suits you and just I think for me knowing how many health benefits there are with meditation, which again, I don't think I've really spoken about. It it does help with anxious feelings and stress, but it also lowers blood pressure. It reduces pain. It boosts your immune system. It leads to better sleep. It boosts creativity. You can tune into your intuition more if you want to go down the spirituality side of things. And I mean, who doesn't want all of those things in their life? But I think because it's so accessible, you know, you you don't need anything. You literally need to put your bum on the floor. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or you need to walk outside in nature, which hopefully people aren't too far away from. You know, it's so easy and so accessible. It doesn't need to be this picture perfect Instagrammable thing. It can just be you sat for for two minutes going. Well, this feels a little bit weird. Haven't done this before. Okay, well, this is a bit strange, but I'll try it again tomorrow. And I think remembering a bit like yoga, that meditation is called a meditation practice. It's not called a meditation complete or a meditation professional. It's called a practice for a reason. You are practicing every single time that you decide to meditate. 
it's a practice it's not about perfection Mm, that's so true yes I love your final thought there yeah (laughs) um when I first started it was like 10 minutes felt like 10 hours (laughs) (laughs) and um yeah but it's quite helpful actually like in uh, apps like insight I don't know if you know yeah absolutely yeah Yeah. those apps are so good yeah and even like I don't know maybe it's part of my personality but like being having the little thing that comes up at the end of your meditation that says you've done this seven days in a row like oh everyone, yeah like <laughs> everyone likes that, that gets off on that. Yes, thank yes. you welcome to you for turning out for showing up for yourself amazing yeah absolutely yeah. yes uh amazing um <laughs> I love what you said about like there is this image of meditation as well like mm-hmm. it's got to be done on a beach in the serene yeah. space in, <laughs> in a beautiful bikini yeah. and um which sounds amazing I'm well oh absolutely I'd love to do that <laughs> <laughs> um and also about like uh I know one of the resistant the ones the one of the reasons I was resistant initially was because I was like oh I'm gonna have thoughts Mm -hmm. and which is actually perfectly okay right absolutely yeah absolutely yeah um yeah so the question I love to um finish with is um like in terms of your journey with wellness and well-being and as you mentioned like going from a dentist practice to what you do now like Mm. what has been one of the like really key things that kind of changed the game um like it can be one of the practices that we've already discussed or like potentially something else that um or multiple things so I would I would have said meditation but you know we've kind of hit on that one a little bit (laughs) so um I I would probably say gratitude and again I think I love all all of my favorite practices are the ones that are really simple (laughs) and really easy to do because they're the ones that you're most likely to keep uh, keep doing and, and keep commitment to so yeah so gratitude practice for me so again I was introduced to this um, and the best way to do it, first of all, is set that timer on your phone, get get a big piece of paper and a pen and spend, if 10 minutes is a bit too scary, spend five minutes and everything that you can be grateful for in your life. So it could be food in your fridge, it could be a warm bed, it could be that amazing promotion that you've got, it could be buying a new bikini, it can be whatever you like just anything that you are grateful for. And then what I do is every morning, I like to do this in the morning. I know some people do it as part of their their nighttime routine, but I find three things that I'm grateful for every day. And it's something that has really profoundly shifted my mindset. And again, it seems, I know when I was told about it, I was like, oh, sure, I'm grateful for this. What what impact is this going to have on my life? And Actually, about about four months into it, I had a really profound moment that it's a long story I won't go into now. But I just I, I stood back at the end of the situation and thought, wow, this is because of my gratitude practice. My mindset has completely shifted, actually. My perspective of things have changed because instead of going into a tailspin about, about a certain situation and getting really anxious and getting um, concerned about what was happening. I was like, wow, actually, I'm so grateful that this situation has happened to me. And I'm so grateful um, that I can sit back and see that I don't need to be upset right now. It's not going to help me. It's not going to change the situation. 
can just stay in my body, stay present. And yeah, so gratitude has been probably the biggest shift for me in terms of my perspective and my mindset, I think. Amazing. I love that. And I love how you could trace, like you said, that um, that uh, experience that you had and you could trace it back to your gratitude. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think for, for me as well, like I like having that, that knowing that that practice is actually having an impact because I think for the, the few months, and it, it might seem like a really long time, four months every day to write down three things, but I probably had a shift before that. But I think knowing for me anyway, knowing that, oh, wow, actually this thing that I do every single day actually had a really big effect on me. It was like, oh, wow, okay, so what else can I implement that will also have a really big effect on me? And, you know, it's it's incorporating, incorporating all those small things into your life that will step-by-step step, have such a massive shift um, and change and effect on you. Mm, yeah, and like you said before, like um, from the work that you do, like doing all these practices, taking all these courses only allows you to take your clients even deeper and experience yes. it yourself first. Yeah, absolutely. I think you need to practice what they preach, as they say. You need to go through the therapy yourself to understand and be able to really facilitate that for the clients as well. For sure, for sure. And um. Just to finish up, was there like anything else you'd like to share with the listeners or anything that we didn't cover today already? Oh, um, no, I don't think so. I just, I guess my my gratitude for today is just, just for you and for your listeners. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. And I'm really grateful for anyone that's listened and any medicine that you might have gotten from listening to me today. I'm really grateful for you and grateful for you for showing up. Oh, I love that. And um, where can the listeners find you? Where's the best place? Amazing. So I'm usually found on Instagram, as I think most of us are. So my yeah. handle is just I am and it's underscore Sarah Hunter. And my website is just my name. It's just sarahhunter.co.uk. I like to keep things nice and simple. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Amazing. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. No worries. hope you enjoyed today's episode and if you have any takeaways from today make sure you um, screenshot this episode and share it to your social media platform and make sure you tag me and if you want to reach out to me in any other way my website is www.wellbeingwithkayla.com and yeah and if you just want to reach out to me and if something hit you from today's episode and you want to discuss it in any more detail please reach out to me I love hearing from you all right have a beautiful day wherever you are lots of love <laughs>